Well, we're glad that you're here today. Um, I'm glad you all survived the polar vortex, right? I have to be honest and say I didn't even know such a thing existed, you know, and then they start talking about it. But I, I have come to kind of believe that the uh, weather media outlets have taken to the same thing that our media outlets. They just kind of over-dramatize and sensationalize everything. So I think it's a miracle we all survived, right? And so uh, it's good to see you. Glad that you're here. And hopefully uh, you didn't get too cold. But it was cold. There's just no two ways around it. I'm glad it's a little warmer today. Um, I invite you to grab your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Luke chapter 10. It's where we're going to land here in just a few minutes. And if you're reaching for a blue Bible in front of you, which if you didn't bring your Bible, I want to encourage you to bring your own Bible. But if you didn't, that blue Bible, you'll find Luke chapter 10 on page 734. As we kick off a new series today, a series that we have titled Margin. And I'll talk about that a little more in just a few moments. But to kind of get us all tracking in the same direction... Um, you don't have to verbally respond, but just kind of internalize these you know, answers to these questions in your head. I want to ask you three quick questions. The first one is this. How many of you would say you are occasionally or often stressed out? You can raise your hand. See, that's the people. That's the conditioned response. Okay, he asked a question. I will ra- that's great. Raise your, that's perfect. Now, how many of you are sitting next to someone and you would say that they should have raised their hand if they didn't? Okay, there you go. How many of you would say that uh, due to maybe the recent holiday or just the overall economy in general that you would say that you occasionally or often feel financial tension or stress in your life? Okay, third question. How many of you would say that you simply wish you had more time? Right? Okay. I would say that these things are mainly kind of universally true for most of us. As we go through our life, it's it's something we all kind of wrestle with. And one of the reasons that I think it's true is because we live in a society and in a culture that constantly is pushing us to the limit and pushing us to the edge and is always encouraging us to do more and to purchase more and to conquer more and to go farther and to advance faster and to get ahead and to go and to go and to go. And as soon as you get there, you got to keep going, right? We just are always on the go. And I would suggest that not only are we living at an unsustainable pace in our own lives, it's also an unbiblical pace. And it's really amazing to me what we have in our society accepted as normal. We have children who have two-plus hours of homework each and every night. They're involved in extracurricular activities, requiring them to have activities three or four nights during the week. And then comes the weekend with travel teams and meets and activities and birthday parties. And, 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 and I see it all the time, right? Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand here, but can you relate to that? And the schedules that we impose on our children, or maybe more accurately, the schedules they impose on us, it's unsustainable, and it's really no wonder why we have so much stress in our life, because we have eliminated any margin that we might have in our life in the important areas. I want to suggest that we are living lives in such a way that there is no margin in our life. Andy Stanley taught a series a few years ago titled, Take It to the Limit. Dr. Richard Swinson wrote a book titled Margin. A pastor friend of mine did a series that he called Outside the Margin. Schultz and O'Kelly wrote a book titled Live on the Margin. My point is that people talk about it, people write about it, and people address this concept all the time. And what I want to do is I want to put a a biblical spin on this idea of margin. And so that's what we're going to be talking about with some God-honoring thoughts 
over the next several weeks as we talk about this idea of margin. And so we have a working definition. We're all kind of tracking the same way. The, the margin definition is simply the difference between what you have and what you need. If you grab your bulletin, you can fill in a few blanks, follow along. Uh, that would be great. The difference between what you have and what you need. If you have 30 minutes to get somewhere and it's going to take you 25 minutes to get there, you have five minutes worth of margin. If you have $1,000 and you have $800 worth of bills, you have $200 worth of margin. The difference between what you have and what you need. And we see this idea of margin live out in our life all the time. And you, if, if you've had conversation with me, you know this statement that I'm about to say. I preach to me and invite everyone else to listen. So this is a lot about me. And I'm just going to kind of invite you into my little world here for a little bit, okay? For me, and maybe for you as well, think, compare how you feel when you arrive five to ten minutes early to an important meeting versus how you feel when you arrive five to ten minutes late to an important meeting. Some of you, I marvel that, eh, no big deal when you arrive late. For me, man, I get stressed out, okay? It's, it's one of those things that just really bothers me, and, and so it causes stress. Margin in finances would include the fact that you have more uh, money left over than you do month, okay? So there's actually uh, some finances there. Having distance in your relationships, or a margin is having distance between you and temptation. Andy Stanley calls them guardrails so that we have a buffer that keeps us away from the edge morally so as not to fall into life-destructive behavior. Emotional margin is not being overwhelmed and it's having the space to actually to uh, look at issues and problems and respond to those instead of just simply reacting to those issues and problems. Margin is scheduling a consistent night of the week where you have scheduled that you have nothing to schedule so that you can take a breath. Margin is simply having time to think and to reflect and, and to meditate and to dream. Margin is having time to spend with God and not just a quick, you know, God is great, God is good, thank you Lord for our food prayer, but an actual prayer where you're actually spending time with God, where you're in, you are enjoying his presence and his word and, and enjoying him. I, I would suggest that margin is something that for most of us in our daily life, we simply do not have any of it. And I want to suggest that maybe the best things in life happen in the margin. Luke chapter 10 tells a story about two different women. One decided that she didn't have time for any margin, and the other decided to ignore some things and create margin. And when she did, she experienced something that would never be taken away from her. I invite you to look with me at Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10. The text says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Okay, we're going to stop right there. In the story, there's the two women, Mary and Martha, and they have Jesus, the Son of God, present in their house. And, and Mary, while she probably had things that she needed to do or could have done, she decided to embrace the moment and to go sit at the feet of Jesus and be fully in his presence. Martha, on the other hand, she was all stressed out. and She was busy with all the preparations that needed to be made. But notice this. Martha was not distracted by anything evil or anything bad, right? 
She was distracted by the preparations that needed to be made. She was undoubtedly making sure that the, you know, the silverware was in the right place on the table and that the tablecloth matched the napkins, which coordinated with the, the pot holders, which coordinated with the curtains, you know, to make sure everything was just right. Why? Because this was Jesus. And Jesus deserves the very best. And so she was taking care of everything that needed to be done. She was busy doing that. Someone once said, if Satan, our spiritual enemy, cannot make us really, really bad, then he will try to make us really, really busy. Not bad, just just busy. And I would suggest that many of us in our life, in our day-to-day life, we are consumed and obsessed with with accomplishing the urgent, and we miss out on the most important things of life. Mary and Martha had Jesus in their home, and in the middle of verse 40, Martha comes to Jesus, and she says this. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to get off her tail, Jesus. Tell her to quit being so lazy and to get up here and help me. And and what's amazing to me is Martha is absolutely convinced that she was doing the right thing. What I'm doing is important here, Jesus. These preparations, they need to be made. Tell her to get up and help me. And right there, I think is where the rubber is going to meet the road for us in this series. Because I think that most of you, you're going to be convinced that the way you're living your life is necessary and it's right. And it's going to be real easy for you to argue with me and to push back and to say, well, you don't understand. You don't understand. I, I have to live my life this way. Busyness equals success. We need more of this and we need more of that. And, and you're going to be convinced with every fiber in your being that the way you're living your life is the way you truly have to live your life. And it's completely necessary for you to be successful in this world because everybody is doing it. And, and we are going to have to understand that as we pursue that line of thinking that broad is the gate and wide is the road that leads to destruction and, and many people are on it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And very few, few people find it. That's why the words of Paul in, in Romans 12, 2 are so important. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Why is it that, that we think that when we live our life the way everyone else is living their life, that that's the way God intends for his followers to live it? Why? Why do we think that way? Paul goes on, he says, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I would suggest to you that this is simple stuff. But it's not easy, okay? It's not easy to change the way we think and to change the way we do things. And the reason I know that it's not easy is because I'm looking out here today, there's a lot of intelligent, bright, you know, very talented people out here. And if this was simple and real easy to do, you would have already done it. You can do this but we have to look at things in a different way. Because what if we're living our life that is contrary to the way God had planned for us to live? Martha says, Jesus, tell her to help me. I'm right. I'm doing the right things. I'm taking care of what needs to be taken care of. Jesus, tell her to help me. And Jesus says this in verse 41. Martha, Martha, Martha. Right? You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen, hear this, hear this. Mary has chosen what is better, 
and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, in your production mindset, you missed it. You missed the moment. And here's what I want you to understand and to hear. This choice is yours. And you may choose to, to push back and to fight and say, Craig, you, you just don't understand. You don't know what it's like in my world. You, you don't know what it's like to have the boss that I have, to have the financial pressures that I have, to have a, a challenging spouse. And, and my kids, oh my goodness, you do not understand. And I'll say, you know what? Okay, I probably don't. You're right. But I think God does. And I think God has said that there's a better way. But the choice is yours. The, cho- the choice will all- always be yours. And if you choose what is better, it will not be taken away from you. So what does this mean practically? Well, I want to suggest two things that I think are, are pretty obvious, but I think we need to throw them out there as well. Suggest two things that happen whenever we live a life without margin. The first one is this. When margin decreases, stress increases. Now, I know we don't say amen very often, but can I get an amen on that one? Okay, when margin decreases, stress increases. Now that amen, you know what that means? It means so be it, or we agree, right? I think that's just a very true statement. Whenever we're running late, if you're running late, your margin decreases, your stress increases. I had this discussion with, with a family uh, coming to church, they come to church that Sunday morning, and, and uh, it was a little bit before Christmas, four weeks before Christmas, and, and they said that, uh, they shared with me, uh, sorry we're late, I was like, yeah, okay, and went on to share that one member of their family wasn't getting ready at the appropriate time in which they were supposed to get here, and with the time it took to get here, and that margin continued to decrease, and the stress continued to increase, and the whole family was feeling it, and they get in the car, and they rush here, and when they open the doors, right before they open the doors, one of the persons said to the rest of the family members, now remember, smile, we love Jesus, and we love each other, right? (laughs) You know how we avoid that situation in the Casey home? We drive separate vehicles, so it just makes life a lot easier that way, right? The truth is, stress increases. When it comes to finances, if your financial margin increases, your stress increases, something breaks, and suddenly there's two things that are causing stress. Number one, it has to be fixed, and number two, how are we going to pay for it, right? The car breaks down. Stress. The kids grow and need new clothes, right? Who, who thought? Stress. It's true in every area of our life. When our margin decreases, our with temptation, your thought life, your spiritual life, when your margin decreases, your stress increases. Second thing I want to suggest that happens when we live a life without margin, when margin decreases, relational intimacy decreases. You see it all the time. You're busy, you're frustrated, you're challenged. Your mind does not disengage from whatever it is that your mind, whether it's work or school or, or something's broken or, or whatever. And as a result, you can be with someone that you love. You can be with them, but you're not with them. You're present, but you're not really there. Your mind is still on other things. 
and it's a struggle. I challenge you with this. This week or today, whenever you do it, walk into a restaurant and for just a moment, scan the tables and look at what people are doing. They're on their phone, they're on their tablet, they're on their gaming device, right? What are they doing? They're doing something. They're updating their Facebook status, they're tweeting, they're you know, checking their blog, they're whatever. My favorite is whenever something comes through the Twitter or feed or on Facebook that says, out enjoying dinner with my wife. No, you're not. You're tweeting about it, right? Put down the phone. People understand that they want to have that relationship. It just lot. I want to suggest that, that not only does our emotional intimacy decrease with people, oftentimes it decreases with God as well. As a pastor, I run into people who used to go to church or who haven't been to church in a long time. And, and if you know me, I, I don't take that personally. It's not like a personal indictment against me. me and so everybody. To that person, I'm not looking for a reason or an excuse, okay? You, you don't owe me any type of, any type of, kind of genuinely. Just want to know if you're okay, whether you attend PCC or not. When our paths cross, you know, how you doing? And what I most often, yeah, good. Right? You're good. We're just, just busy. Haven't been to church in a while. Just too busy. Not help but one. Not one. been too busy. We think that that isn't normal. Why we chose to live margin? We continually push ourselves. We're not obsessed with money. Figuring out how to have more of it. Why do we be with our children? No time flat. Why is living? Could it be one of the reasons? Because we fully trust God? Just a thought. Could it, could it be that we don't really believe that God's in control and that God's on the throne and that, that he's going to take care of the details of life and the way that he has told us to live life? Too often we lie that if we're not on the go, if we're not constantly doing something, that we're going to miss out on something. So in, in light of believing that lie, we try to fill our vo- the void in our hearts with more, more work and more money and more stuff and more friends and more opportunity and just more. Sometimes it's just more of more and we just keep going. And far too often, we fill our lives with the things that do not ultimately matter. And the scriptures, the scriptures call that idolatry. We elevate the good things and we become distracted by them. We worry more about what people think about us than we do our relationship with the Lord. We make sure that our children are involved in all the best schools and all the best programs so they have all the best opportunities to be successful. And if that means they cannot attend church or youth group or small group or go on a retreat, and if that means we don't have time to do devotions at home, well, you know what? That's just the price we're going to pay. That's just the way it goes. We exercise six days a week and we read our Bible when we have time because we place a higher emphasis on physical health than we do spiritual health. And the truth is, those things are called 
idolatry and it leaves a void. And it's destroying marriages, it's destroying families, it's destroying relationships, and people are lost and hurting, and God never intended us for us to live life that way. And the challenge for us is to change, to do things in a different way, to view life in a different way. But, but here's the reality. Here's, here's just what I know to be true in, in the things I've read and the different people I've talked to, most of you, most of you are not going to make any changes because you believe you're smart enough and you have enough life experiences and you've learned how to cope. And in 2015, your life is going to be pretty similar to what it is in 2014. But you know what motivates me for me and for you? is <laughs> the belief that, that some of you, some of us, we're, we're going to allow God to speak into our hearts and into our minds and into our lives. And we're going to do what God's word says, and we're going to strive to live our life not according to the patterns of this world, but according to God's grace. And we're going to choose that which is better, to invest in the things that matter, to invest in those things that will last. Jesus said this in Matthew 11, verse 28. In the New International Version, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. In the CV, okay, CV may be a new translation for you, the Craig's version of the Bible. It's all you who are stressed out, overwhelmed, and can't get everything checked off your to-do list. Come to me, single parents who are about to fall apart. Come to me, business professionals who feel like they're hanging on by a thread. Come to me, New York City commuter who struggles with the daily grind. Come to me, mom who has no margin for herself. Come to me, those who are overwhelmed and feel insignificant if they're not busy all the time. Jesus invites people. He says, you come to me. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest rest. I take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I'm just going to stop for just a second. Can you just let that soak in? Do you even know what rest for your soul looks like? What it feels like? Peace? Assurance? Far too many of us, we, we have no clue what rest is like. We go on vacation, and we spend our vacation on the go all the time. And when we get back from our vacation, what do we really need? We need a vacation from our vacation. Because we, we never find any rest for our souls. I see it all the time. In, in talking with people and the people I, I interact with. Single people believe that if they're not doing something, then they are insignificant and they're going to miss out. Moms are always on the go. They take care of everything and everyone, and they feel guilty if they do anything for themselves. Financial providers believe they need to make more and achieve more and do more. And if I do these things, then I'll show how much more I love my family. And the answer is no. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Being really transparent, that's a tough one for me. Even when I'm sitting down, I find that I need something to do to keep being busy. I feel like I need to be on the go all the time because there's this societal pressure that if you sit and do nothing, then you're being unproductive and you're worthless and you're just lazy. And I would suggest that for some of you, you don't know how to be still either. 
you think being still is watching TV or, or reading or listening to music or doing something like that. But being still is, is that. It's being still. It's not producing. It's not learning. It's not achieving. It's not doing anything. And not doing something is very foreign to us. And in light of that, here's my challenge for you. This week, your challenge is to invest five minutes a day being still. Do not produce anything. Do not read anything. Don't make a list. Don't read your Bible. Don't journal. Don't do anything. You'll probably never hear me say, don't read your Bible. But for five minutes a day, do nothing. Just, just be. And be in God's presence and listen. And if you do that, here's some things that will happen. The first and most important thing is you will begin to break the idolatry in your life. Those good things that you elevate, the laundry, the emails, the job, the list, the information, they all take a back seat for just a brief period of time, and you take a small step toward creating margin in your life. And I know the pushback. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, but I don't have five minutes to sit and be still. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Be still. And know that he is God. And if you do, I would suggest to you that you allow God the opportunity to direct your path. Can I just tell you how I've been doing this? For me, what I have to do is I set the timer on my phone. And I sit and I close my eyes because I'll get distracted. And I fold my hands and I put them on my lap. And I will myself to do nothing for five minutes. And the first day I did it, Oh, my goodness. Five minutes was forever. As Ian said, 30 minutes felt like an eternity. The next day, not so bad. And now, it's really pretty good. Break that, that tendency. Break the idolatry in our life. And when we do, we allow God to direct us, to speak to us, to, to show us his way, to show us his path. This morning... About 10 minutes after we dismiss, uh, we're going to have an, an ordination service for Trish White. Trish has received a very clear call from God to, to serve as a chaplain. And as a church, we have the opportunity to send her out and, and to have her do the ministry she's been called to do. And we invite you to participate in that, to, to listen to her story, to, to share how God has spoken to her and how God has directed her path. Isaiah 58, verse 11 says, As we seek him, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. When we stop living our life according to the patterns of this world, and instead we live our life according to his grace, I want to suggest that our lives will never be the same. And here's, here's the thing. It's a choice. It's a choice that you make, and the choice will always be up. The choice is always yours on what you do. And so what are you going to choose? Will you choose to kind of walk out of here today and go, you know what, I've figured out how to make this work, and I'm going to keep doing it the way I've always done it? Or will you choose to live your life different beginning today? As you, in this cliche way, say you start the first day of the rest of your life. What are you going to choose? 
keep doing things the way you've always done them because it works? Or will you choose what is better? And if you choose what is better, God says it will not be taken away from you. Our desire is that all of us experience and discover God's life-changing love through his son, Jesus Christ. And, And you can experience that. We want you to experience that. It's why we do what we do here at PCC. And each and every week, we give you an opportunity to respond to what God is doing in your life. Maybe what God is doing in your life through the message this morning. Maybe what God's been doing in your life over the past several weeks. How would you respond to the Lord? Maybe your response today is to say, I don't want to live my life the way I've always lived it. I want to figure out how to do this with him. And we want to invite you to do that. We want to encourage you to do that. Maybe your response today is to say, I've accepted Jesus, but I've never been obedient to him in baptism. And I want to I wanna take that step. I want to learn more about that. I, I want to I talk to someone about that. Maybe you want someone to pray with you. Maybe you want someone to encourage you. Whatever is going on in your life, we as a church family want to join with you so that we can walk this road together as we respond to the Lord. If you want to talk to someone today, we're going to invite you to make your way over here to the cross as we stand and sing. So stand with me. Let's sing this song, and you respond to the Lord this morning.